This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Hard Currency, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and the Forex highlights this week have been made by the Federal Reserve's hawkishness, the impact of slowing Chinese growth on commodity currencies, a right old Brexit punch-up that may or may not get sterling rattled, and a serene-looking euro as we head to Sunday's French presidential election. With me to discuss these developments is Richard Benson of Institutional Asset Management Millennium Global Investments. Richard, first off, the Fed uh, minutes from Wednesday, it looked like a fairly solid update, didn't it? It looked like they were talking about economic slowdown in quarter one being quite transitory, inflation close to two percent uh, target. So, dollar going up now? Um, not necessarily. Almost instantaneously, we fully priced the uh, June FOMC meeting, 98%-ish priced by most reasonable metrics. So there's little short-term upside from Fed pricing. It looks like the Fed is on autopilot uh, for this year. Two more hikes, June and September, and then an attempt to try to normalise the balance sheet um, at the end of the year and wind down the balance sheet or start that process. So dollar stays range-bound, does it? Does the payrolls on Friday um, likely to prove uh, decisive? Um, I think the dollar stays well supported, um, but uh, not necessarily appreciating. I think a tactical environment for it, appreciating against some currencies, depreciating against others. I think perhaps one way of thinking about it is comparing it to emerging markets. Over the last three or four years, people have become very accustomed to the idea of not being long or short emerging markets, but being long selective emerging markets and short selective emerging markets against the dollar. Perhaps in terms of the dollar, we want to be long selective currencies against the dollar and uh, long the dollar against other currencies. Um, At the moment, I'd advocate long dollar against yen but short dollar against euro as very simple, very powerful metrics. But the the commodity currencies are having a rough ride at the moment. They've had a very good ride. We've seen the oil price dip below $50 on Thursday. Does this portend a bad run coming up for emerging markets? I think uh, a number of question marks are raised via this very discreet move in commodity currencies, which started really two to three weeks ago. Uh, really, most noticeably starting in Canada. Uh, discrete issues in Canada regard mortgage prices and uh, leverage issues, a potential Northern Rock issue uh, for Canada. But probably the biggest bellwether is the Australian dollar. Yes. We've fallen markedly um, in the last few days. Yes. And in the last six weeks, the iron ore price, a key correlated driver of the Australian dollar, has fallen over 30%. That's really got the market's attention at a time when actually there has been a little bit of softening in China, but not to the degree which would cause that magnitude. So we should, I mean, we should, we haven't worried about China for several months. We should start worrying about China again. I think China absolutely has to come back onto the radar screen. Uh, You know, we're not talking about a collapse. We're talking about a slowing in growth PMIs. But there's two kinds of tightenings happening in China at the moment. Regulatory tightening uh, purposefully. Uh, yes, and why are they doing that? 
uh, really to uh, not create bubbles, uh, to have a very stable environment uh, for this year. Everybody is very used to the notion that we're supposed to expect stability in China this year, year of regime shift. Stability means not inflating the bubble as well as not deflating the bubble. And what's the other tightening? Uh, So liquidity tightening as well. Uh, So rates in recent days have risen uh, sharply uh, via Chinese metrics. And actually, China is reducing liquidity whilst they are rising, which is a very unusual uh, attempt for them. It's not fully understood exactly why this is occurring, but a time where actually the Chinese currency basket is at its weakest levels. Uh, I think I should be uh, pointed firmly towards China, certainly vulnerable to any downside surprises. Uh, how, what are they doing with their fixing? Are they, they're, they're softening the, the renminbi? Or, uh... Uh, yeah, very marginally softening the renminbi, um, really on a basket basis, using opportunistic measures. So when perhaps the dollar has strengthened on days of these tactical dollar appreciations, they're not shifting the renminbi, but on days of dollar weakening, they are. So through the mix, they're enabling a, uh, a weaker renminbi uh, very quietly, uh, whilst Mr. Trump is focused upon North Korea. All this means stay away from commodity currencies? Uh, potentially, there's a big opportunity for shorts of them, in particular against other you know, well-supported currencies. Um, the euro against the Australian dollar has moved quite a lot in the last two or three weeks. Uh, both sides of that story uh, having key drivers, iron ore from the Australian side and the ECB's inevitable move after the French elections um, towards you know, policy uh, support being removed. Okay. Um, uh, on Brexit. Oh, God. Should we talk about Brexit, Richard? I love it. Okay. If, if you do love it. I mean, I'm, I'm just getting a bit sick of it. And I just wonder whether investors are also feeling a bit uh, jaded by it all. I mean, it wasn't so long ago, actually, where investors used to take fright when a middling politician said a terribly mild thing, mildly controversial thing about Brexit. And here we have a huge punch up. Uh, Theresa May accusing European officials and politicians of meddling with the UK election. And Sterling doesn't really seem to care that much. You know, markets have heard a lot about politics in the last 15 months. They've been a big driver uh, of markets. I think probably the day of the announcement of the UK general election was about the day of peak politics. Mm. There are still many ebbs and flows in European politics in particular, and never mind the Italian election cycle still to come. But in the UK, we've heard a lot of noise. And I think had it not been for this noise, the pound would be rallying very strongly. The cyclical data has bounced back quite strongly in recent weeks. You're you're pushing it up above $1.00. 30 then, aren't you? I think cable is a sort of an unknown factor. I think the real issue is against the, uh, the euro. Right. Um, the trade-weighted pound is almost two-thirds against the euro. And I think uh, the inevitable decline of the pound against the euro, uh, when uh, if this noise and political rhetoric remains, uh, is certainly building up. But having said that, it is data now that's going to be much more dominant. And, and give us a sense of how good the data, the UK data is. Well, if we look at the PMIs, uh, and this morning we had the services PMI. Uh, all the three PMIs have possibly surprised by over one point, uh, having been you know, stably above 50. So we dipped from uh, the high 50s at the turn of the year uh, into the end of Q1 to being uh, 52-ish. We're bouncing back close to 55 now. So these are robust numbers of UK growth. Let me get this right, Richard. Yeah, investors were, have, were at record short positions on sterling not so long ago. Uh, those positions have been wiped out. But does that mean we're now expecting investors 
investors to, you know, just getting getting on the sterling you know, bandwagon or um, are they just going to hold tight for a bit? I think whilst the political rhetoric remains so fierce, they're unlikely to be constructive of the pound. Right. Uh, I think they're queuing up, waiting for an opportunity and a trigger uh, to be able to sell sterling again. Oh, God. Oh, right. OK. Whereas the euro, it looks like a much more serene story, doesn't it? It looked like the market's pretty much, you know, on the Macron train. And um, and so, you know, without wishing to prejudge it, but let's assume he gets the keys of the Elysee Palace uh, on Sunday. What's going to happen in the markets on Monday? So, I mean, the the obvious decision is that uh, the euro should appreciate uh, that underinvested capital in the eurozone or capital that ex- exited the eurozone, yes. particularly Japanese fixed income selling of European, in particular French government bonds. You don't think it's priced in at the moment, then? You think there's more to go? To a, well, to a market expectations are certainly very high, yeah. but if that actual physical flow starts to occur, uh, though these flows can be very powerful and a very large amounts. Yeah, and what the market really wants to hear and see is what the big European Central Bank move is going to be next. When do you think... I mean, Draghi was saying this a bit last week. He he said we don't follow the French elections, but there's no doubt about it that they want to see some kind of political calmness around before they... If they want to, they make a tapering noise. Is that, is, that, is that your expectation? Yeah, I think, well, certainly the June ECP meeting will see a new set of staff forecasts. They'll be revising higher growth and revising higher inflation. If you're revising higher growth and you're revising higher inflation, close towards your limit in the case of inflation in, in two years' time, you need to be thinking about policy adjustments right. beyond that. June is going to be a big month, isn't it? If we're going to have the, the, the Fed going, uh, a tapering noise by the ECB, June is pretty, is pretty significant then, is it? Uh, I think so. I think actually May is more significant. May is when we're going to price in the these price issues. Is, of course, yeah. Uh, the pricing ahead of these uh, these key events. Um, but I think in terms of the ECB, it's all about pricing in something that happens in quite a long time. We're talking about pricing in really the influence of the depot rate yes. cut, um, whether that occurs in 2017 or more likely spring of 2018, uh, taking away some of that negative depot rate. The pros and cons, the pluses and minuses of uh, having a negative depot rate are certainly weighing strongly in the favour of removing that, in particular for the German financial sector. Okay, just finally, Richard, next week, quarterly inflation report from the Bank of England. You were talking about, you know, pricing in. Investors are going to be watching to see what kind of impact all this strong data is going to have on the BOE forecast on inflation. Do you think that's going to be significant? Uh, I think not that significant because actually... Okay, I gave the, it a big build-up, <laughs> but go on. Um, the bank, you know, they were fretting at the last inflation report as sterling looked like it was going to fall off the precipice yeah. uh, as Article 50 was handed in. Actually, come the end of June, we're probably going to have year-on-year sterling unchanged. Um, that's not uh, very dramatic and shows a very transitory effect. Okay, in well, okay so things will move on, on the European and American front, but perhaps not on the British front. Uh, my thanks to Richard Benson of Millennium Global. Next week, we will discuss that Bank of England quarterly inflation report. So join us for a discussion on that and all the other developments in the foreign exchange market. Until next week's hard currency, it's goodbye.